0: You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants. Featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni. Part of FFSN, fans' first sports
1: network. Hey, Doug, it's the Giants Croncast. Do you like the smell of this new podcast?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. It smells like pine. We've got an air freshener in here. We're really going all out
1: on this new thing. So this is the inaugural edition of the Giants Croncast, a podcast that chronicles the San Francisco Giants. (laughs) And we are uh, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. And what is that? Well, it's a new podcasting network for sports fans like you and for bloggers like us who used to have a platform and needed a new one. We were extended a hand. Do you want to join these uh, SB Nation castoffs and start this new podcasting network? And um, Doug and I, having nothing better to do or a desperate desire to talk about the Giants, is probably more fair. We said, sure.
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean, once, when we got the message, hey, do you want to do this? Our first thought was, hmm, is this a trap? Are we going to get fired again? But it seems like we're probably not. So we're going to give it a shot.
1: I'm knocking on wood because (laughs) being dropped by a network seems like it happens very regularly for digital media folk like us. But for right now, brand new network, brand new show and uh, welcome. We're still going to talk about our favorite team the San Francisco Giants, and oh boy, what a season this looks like it's going to be. Oh my goodness. (laughs) We're off to a bang-up start, and we haven't even started. (laughs) So the Giants have been limping their way through spring training, I I guess is sort of the big news. There there was kind of a cluster of injuries last week that I think kind of took the wind out of their sails. Any optimism that people might have had underneath ignoring the spring training results, because Record-wise, it's pretty shaky, uh, but you here's the list, Doug, uh, just for your information. <laughs> Brandon Crawford, a knee injury, or you know, is a a barking knee. Uh, Mitch Haniger, a grade one oblique strain. Uh, Austin Slater, hamstring issue. Cole Waits, I think, also a hamstring issue. Thomas Zuppy, thoracic outlet issue, and it's going to cause him. He is seeing a specialist right now. Those are the kind of general ones. Crawford, Haniger, and Slater stand out quite a lot because I don't know if you remember this, Doug. The Giants kind of banked their offseason on those three guys <laughs> helping them out this year.
0: Yeah, if, if I'm remembering right, uh, they were going to sign a different shortstop and then backed out because of injury concerns. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was this offseason. So then they turned around and, uh, well, they signed Haniger before all that. Or during during all that before I don't know
1: I think it was right after they lost out on Aaron Judge they were like well yes, this was always right. our this is also our number two guy at all this, times
0: this is also <laughs> our plan and then they didn't want to say plan B plan A one yes Mitch Haniger anyway Mitch Hanniger is hurt which is uh, I don't want to say it's predictable but I also don't have a way to finish that sentence and it's he was one of the bigger offseason additions him and him and Michael Conforto are going to be the guys that turn around the offense and now it's there's just one of them for now
1: right and and the oblique strain they're shutting him down at a grade one and those are I guess that's the lowest that's the DEFCON 5 of oblique strains it's the lowest level of concern but it is an oblique injury which means you as a fan should have in the back of your mind um, that it could be a problem very, very quickly and qu- for quite a long time. But because it's baseball and because it's Giants baseball, we'd all be expecting an oblique strain only for Mitch Haniger to like blow out a knee or something. <laughs> That's <laughs> seems more likely. The Thomas Seppocky one, though, that one definitely makes me go, OK, he may not pitch for the Giants this season, which could be a big bummer but at the same time he was <laughs> having issues last year too so maybe it's all connected um but he has he, you know power arm from the left side the giants traded darren Ruff for got to remember that darren Ruff trade had many elements to it <laughs> <laughs> if i'm remembering right thoracic
0: outlet problems what ended noah lowry's career although that yes. was you know that was 15 years ago and a lot of medical progress has made since then i don't want to compare them but i'm pretty sure that was it
1: that's right. Now the thoracic outlet, who knows, thoracic outlet issue, issues are dealt with by AI. Everything's dealt <laughs> with by AI right now.
0: They just plug it into chat, GPT, <laughs> say, what do I do? And they follow the instructions.
1: <laughs> Injuries, though, in spring training, nothing new. The Brandon Crawford issue with his knee. As we're releasing this episode, I think he's supposed to actually come back this week. It's been, They're only going to shut him down for about a week. I don't think that's going to go away as the season progresses. Um, the only thing I could think that might have, uh, you know, I talked to some people who do medical training to kind of say, like just to ask generally, you know, Brandon Crawford, 36 year old shortstop, obviously this is borrowed time. That the giants are using um, hoping to pencil them in. It's just a matter of time before the knee keeps them out for a long period of time. The only thing that might have prevented that is whatever he was doing in the off season, and I guess to that point, I know it's extremely hard for me, a, a dude in his 40s now, to lose weight, but I got to imagine a guy with, uh, in Brandon Crawford's situation, and I'm just talking about he has a large family, uh, that that guy keeping his weight down during the off season is probably not an easy thing to do, but that seems to be the only thing he could realistically do to mitigate knee injuries. Because he's thirty six and he plays a dem- like the most demanding infield position. No, the second most catcher is the most um, infield position uh, on a baseball field. So essentially, whatever he did to mitigate his weight, I, I haven't got a look at him this year. There's been very few games on on TV. If you didn't realize, so otherwise it's just a matter of otherwise he's a ticking time bomb. But we'll see what happens this week. <laughs> <laughs> And so the other big news that that's happened in spring training that I think the like the big headline news, uh, Sergio Romo has signed with the Giants. He's going to appear in the exhibition games, one of the exhibition games when they come back to San Francisco um, next week. And uh, that's cool. He's going to retire as a giant. And guess there's a non-zero chance that if, it, if something weird happens, he could somehow make the team and whatever, which. I don't see that happening, but hey, whatever. It's good that they're keeping their options open. Uh, Sergio Romo, not just a good giant, a great giant, and has appeared in like the most games uh, for a pitcher. Like he's in the top five or top, he's easily in the top 10 for Giants of all time in terms of appearances as a Giants pitcher. Doug, your Sergio Romo memory ors memories.
0: I mean, obviously the 2012 postseason is kind of his time to shine. I'll I'll let you take the the last at bat of the World Series that year cuz I'm going to go with uh the last at bat of the NLDS when he was just going up against Jay Bruce for pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch, after pitch just never giving in just kept throwing it kept getting fouled off this it lasted I I want to say 13 or 14 pitches
1: I thought when, it was only 12 pitches but maybe 12? you're right it is okay. to mention, yeah. it could
0: be 12 who knows <laughs> But, like, this 12-pitch at-bat, you know, with the game on the line, the, the Giants have taken a 6-0 lead. It dwindled down. Romo comes in, and they're just trying to put it away. And it just feels like it's never going to end. It was this perfect at-bat. And he eventually got Bruce to, to I think, fly out um, kind of weakly. And uh, I, I said last at-bat. It might have been the second to last at-bat. There might have been a batter after that. It was the emotional climax. There was a denouement, <laughs> the but... <laughs> But that, that was really when, when you're like, okay, all right, we won the big battle. So it's like the, the miracle on ice. It wasn't the gold medal game, but I mean, really, it kind of was.
1: By win probability, it was the fourth highest leverage situation in uh, the series. I'm looking at the baseball reference breakdown for it. 2.68% win probability added fly ball to left 12 pitch at bat and um, uh, that that is the one that that kind of shouldn't get overlooked like it I'm not going to say it's underrated we're talking about it and people remember it very clearly but versus the and versus the Miguel Cabrera strikeout to clinch the World Series the Giants swept that World Series <laughs> you know what I mean like the pressure levels uh, what what Romo did to Miguel Cabrera was like that's cr- that's very clever he threw a fastball. When <laughs> Miguel Cabrera was expecting slider. Miguel Cabrera was the triple triple crown winner. You know the Giants sweeping a World Series when they're on the ropes in the first two rounds, like uh, very impressive, like incredible. But you know that Jay Bruce at bat, that's the one where you know your heart, you're having a heart attack by after every pitch. <laughs> it was it was uh, quite stressful. Uh, but I think the other part of it is. That Sergio Romo probably doesn't get enough credit of being one of the most reliable Giants relievers in our lifetime. Like maybe the top three?
0: Yeah, no, he absolutely was. I mean, people one of the problems is that, like the entire rest of the bullpen, he was on the twenty sixteen team. So I mean <laughs>
1: um I, Which I think, we all know is when yeah. data analytics really right, turned exactly. around to screw the giants. Yep. <laughs> so
0: I mean, I would say, I would honestly say probably the most underrated giant of our lifetime is uh, under underrated giant reliever. It's probably Sonia Garcia, even though he was objectively worse than, than Sergio Romo.
1: There's a, there's a clip floating around on Twitter. Um, you can find if you didn't catch the game on NBC sports Bay area, the Sunday afternoon telecast, He's uh, being interviewed by Dwayne Kuiper. It was great. It was a lot of fun. The, I, I've always loved Romo's energy. I've always loved the dude. He He's definitely blocked me on Twitter for many years. I've been blocked <laughs> by him for many years. Doug, has, did he block you?
0: He absolutely did, yes. yes. I am still blocked by Sergio Romo. Yes,
1: and and that's because I I don't remember the exact tweet, but I know around the time, Romo, more than any other pitcher, had the, I don't remember my last pitch. So nothing you say <laughs> matters to me and it's, I think it was just me making fun of the fact that he could give up a grand slam and, and say like, what are you talking about? Like basically shaggy. It wasn't me with every pitch because that's, that's just, it was his attitude. Um, his 2014 was, uh, his worst in a giant's uniform. That's when he, um, had a 3.72 ERA 93 ERA plus, um, so maybe it was around that time, but all that said, um, you know, kudos to him for, for searching and blocking people. Fantastic work. <laughs> My his people, uh, fantastic work on the mound for the giants all those years. You know, he was such a, I, I think there's some version where Tyler Rogers followed his footsteps, right? He's kind of like, he was sort of a perfect setup guy and then he became the closer and he was a great closer, for a time with the Giants and and I think maybe there was some thought that oh it's like Rogers is going to do the exact same thing which was not the case at all but where we're overlooking the best part that's that frisbee slider of his is beautiful and I love it and it's one of the best Giants pitches uh, of our lifetimes you know Jason Schmidt's uh, changeup Tim Lincecum's changeup you got Romo's slider in there you know what I mean like there's there's a lot of there's pr- basically only good things to say about Sergio Romo Congratulations! This is a cool, cool move by the Giants, Doug. It did make me think of this one last thing. <laughs> this doesn't feel like the move of a team that's like really committed to going to w- winning the division this year. <laughs> this this definitely seems like a a, a version of the team where it's like, yeah, let's just let's just try some stuff. Just freestyle. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I think it's
0: just it's just a fun thing to do to get some fans interested. Fans have not been very interested in the Giants last year. So I think they're just, you know, let's get some people out to the park who maybe wouldn't have come for one of the exhibition games, get them more interested in the team. Sergio Romo's not gonna be with the franchise after Monday. Um after the, that that Monday game. I mean I don't come know. Come the 30th, yeah. 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 Like he's next. he's retiring. I mean, they've said They've given some lip, ser- lip service to, you know, maybe if it all goes, it, he's retiring. Like what what he has been saying in interviews is like, he's tired. He's done. Like he can't really do it anymore. It's fine. Um, he's he's not going to be with the team. Um, so it, it's just sort of a goodbye to someone who deserves it because he was such a huge part of the Giants franchise.
1: I didn't think I was going to have a transition, but I found the perfect one. Also in that telecast, Romo was having a lot of fun goofing off with Sean Jelly, he, who he said was the tallest person he's ever seen in his life, <laughs> which is almost tr- was probably true for most of us. If we ever met Sean Jelly, Sean Jelly is one of the big surprises, ha! Huh, one of the tall surprises at camp this year. Um, that's what our next little bit here. We're going to talk about the spring training standouts. Uh, I'm sure if you're listening to our podcast, you've been following around, you've been following the team to some degree this spring. So, you know, I don't think it's a big surprise when I say that Blake Sable's really been an incredible uh, player, just absolutely light- lighting it up with the bat. Doug, do you want to talk about Blake Sable at all, or or you're good?
0: I you mean, it. he's <laughs> been great. Yeah, he's uh, he's done everything you could hope for. Does that mean that he's going to continue doing that in the regular season? Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> Not to be too negative. I I had an article this week where I basically was like, I mean, it's not going to last. And someone commented and was like, oh, so we shouldn't play the kids then. I was like, I'm not responding to that, but uh, I am going to mention it on my podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, he's a Rule 5 pick, so the Giants are going to have to find some clever methods of keeping him on the roster all year if they're that committed to him, which I would say trading for him to get him in the rule five draft shows that they are interested or committed in him in some way uh, beyond just like, let's see what happens, especially so trading for him. And then he does well in spring training seems like he's going to probably make, he's going to make the opening day roster. He'll definitely be third on the depth chart at catcher. I would have to assume. Um, And if he can hit, if he can play the outfield, (laughs) if he, if he can provide some, um, some spelling, you know, spelling Roberto Perez or Joey Bart at behind the plate, uh, if in blowouts or something like that, then I think that that works. But I want to highlight five others. Stop okay. me when you when you want to jump in. These are the okay. ones who stood out pretty obviously. Casey Schmidt, yes, fifteen for thirty-four, and I don't recall any negative comment about his defense. Did I miss a play where he airmailed something, or where he didn't make a catch he should have made, or? I've only every Casey Schmidt thing is like, wow, he's hitting the ball and catching everything. And look at his throws.
0: (laughs) Yes. Casey Schmidt is known for his fantastic love.
1: So he's basically living up to the expectations. Fantastic. He's having the exact kind of spring you would hope uh, a rising prospect would have. Very interesting. Next guy, Bryce Johnson, nine for 25 with 11 stolen bases. Yes. Yes. And because of the Austin Slater situation, because of the, let's say, soft defense in the outfield, interesting, uh, could could make the opening day roster, could be uh, an early call up, interesting guy. Sean Jelly, already mentioned, 14 strikeouts against two walks in 12 innings pitch, he's given up just two earned runs, two runs, 150 ERA, and apparently he's throwing harder, I don't know what that means. He was throwing 92, 93 last year. So what is he? 94, 95? I think they're saying
0: 94 to 96.
1: They've seen him out. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a big improvement. Shamanaya, not a great ERA. Seven and runs, 11.2 innings pitch, but 11 Ks, two uh, two walks, and uh, pitching about 94, I believe. And that's really impressive. If, even if he's averaging more like 92, 93, he was like ninety ninety one last year. I I seem to recall. Do you agree he should be on this list as a standout? I do. Yes, okay. absolutely. And then and then the last one, Anthony Scafani. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. A zero ERA and five point two innings pitch. Not a lot of uh, sample. They're they're obviously slow playing him or bringing him back slowly. You know, one thing I didn't think about. I just like I thought, oh, he'd come back from ankle surgery and then he'd be good to go. But that was pretty stupid. He basically missed the whole season, right? He's got to work it all back up, work the workload back up. But the eight strikeouts against one walk is what I saw. You know what I mean? Like you could easily see a guy coming back like that. And even if the velocity's there and he's getting the ground balls, like maybe the control, the command's not there. And you could see, you know, he's got a bunch of walks or he's given up a lot of hits, but he's been, it's also very small. So they're definitely taking his time with him. But that stands out to me as like, that's promising. So is there it, anyone it else is. you want to throw on the list?
0: I, a little bit of a shout out to uh, to Joey Bart nine nine oh six OPS. Okay, Isan Diaz, of course. I'm going to mention him eleven oh six OPS. Uh, I don't know if he's still hurt or not. I know he he got a minor injury, but I I'm not sure. But as to what any of this means, there was a pitcher on the Giants last year in spring training who uh, pitched twelve innings over three games, struck out eleven, walked two, and had a seventy three ERA. Yes, do you know who that pitcher is,
1: Brian? Is it Anthony DiSclefani?
0: It was Anthony DiSclefani. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, it is great that he's pitching well. I hope it continues. How much faith am I going to put in that meaning a lot? I mean, it. I've been burned too many times before.
1: I just look at that 2021 season and I and I go, I think I get it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I get it, and then the fact that he had a like a very bizarre medical issue with his ankle. You know what I mean? Like he he didn't have some sort of anatomy that most human beings have. Right. Yeah. In his ankle. You know, it's it's like I kind of take those two things and I go, okay, you know, maybe we were a little too hard on on him. <laughs> uh, so yeah, okay, that, that's good. Uh, for some reason, I thought Isan Diaz had been sent down, but yeah, he is injured. Right.
0: I think he was also optioned okay um but i mean i don't expect casey schmidt to make the team out of,
1: out of spring no i don't either but i i that's i just wanted to spotlight like yeah. oh the giants have a prospect who's actually performing yeah. <laughs> as as hoped that like even that was a big deal yeah, yeah, a prospect <laughs> huh pretty nice <laughs> i want to talk about the world baseball classic real quick doug have you watched any of these
0: yeah. I've watched some of them. It's, they've been fun. They've been, they've been a like a good competition. Um, you know how sometimes you'll watch spring training games and it'll be great for the first like four innings. And then you're like, okay, I'm bored. Nobody cares anymore. Um, yeah. It's nice in March to have a game. That's not like that where everyone like really cares and is trying hard and it matters. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. And you know, it's been high quality baseball. Of course, announcers can't stop. Can't stop like going wild over how, all these all these lineups are like all stars at every position. I'm like, well, they should be. There aren't that many of these teams. So I would hope so.
1: So the Giants connections, Jock Peterson, Camilo Duvall, they were they were playing. Both their teams have been eliminated. Good. Yeah. <laughs> need, right. need, yeah lead them funny. back playing for the Giants. Uh, but also and oh, I want to actually go back to your point. I totally agree because hearing fans get riled up, get excited in the sixth and seventh innings and having the pitching matchups matter and all that stuff. I think it is nice to have in March. And also you get the adrenaline without the, oh my God, this is my favorite team. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like they're exactly. going to blow it. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. So then my two thoughts, cause I haven't watched too much of it. Um, I did see Trey Turner's home run the other night, grand slam the other night. But seeing Mike Trout play meaningful baseball, that that's nice. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and and everyone's saying the games don't really matter. I mean, I hope that's a minority of people who feel that way. Um, Trey Turner said that grand slam the other night is the biggest home run he's ever hit. You know what I mean? Like that I think that if you don't want to believe it, you have to at least acknowledge that the players see it as a very important part of the part of their career of playing baseball. And um, I think that's great. And I just want to point out one last thing. Mark DeRosa being the uh, manager of team USA seems like it's Achilles heel. (laughs) Um,
0: I mean, but if someone gets a flappy tendon and he has the experience. (laughs) Yeah. The other good part about the WBC, even if American fans are only kind of into it the fans and everywhere else oh they are going they're going wild and it's really fun to see
1: i love that they stress tested the marlins park i can't remember what it's called now (laughs) because there's no way that the the like the the metal and the structure has had that much vibration from sound (laughs) in in a long time so it's good to know like oh it could withstand a packed house of everyone screaming their their brains out um yeah so that's a positive. People loving baseball and being excited about it. How can't you be excited about baseball? Baseball's the fucking best, and it's great to see people watching it and agreeing with you. Forget John Smoltz broadcasting, <laughs> <laughs> the anal polyp of color commenters. Uh, you know, but it's it, the fact that there are people across the world who love baseball. I mean, it it, it energizes you. This brings me down. Joe Sheehan is a famous crabby guy, but uh, at one point a pretty well-respected national guy. And I do subscribe to his newsletter. Um, He is kind of an interesting uh, bellwether for what the national media might, how, how the industry and the national press might look at some things. I don't claim that he's definitive, but he wrote up the Giants finally in his newsletter and, um, I'm just going to read this little excerpt because you should subscribe if you want the full thing, but uh, the giants have shown since Gabe Kapler and foreign took over that they can manufacture average and average plus players signing mid market free agents like Hanniger and Conforto for market value undercuts that strength, leaving them both without the stars they need to contend or the money to buy them. The giants had a terrible offseason, and while they have some prospects coming, they've now drifted behind the pool of NL wild contenders. And then I think in a tweet is where he asked has anyone spent 200 million dollars on a roster and gotten so little <laughs> and talking about the Giants. Well, so- first
0: off, he does not remember the 2017 Giants. So, <laughs> that is a uh,
1: correct, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wish I didn't remember the 2017 Giants, but yeah.
1: Oh well. <laughs> that I think then that proves your point. He forgot about them on purpose, so no one actually remembers them. <laughs> but I guess I wanted to just talk a minute. I think now that the dust has settled, the Giants have gotten in some games. We've all had a chance to kind of absorb everything that did and did not happen in the offseason and seeing where they're at, kind of, you know, assessing and, and just having reality hit us in the face. Do you think this is like a, a way off thing? Someone who's just kind of like casually looking at it um because he's basically paying lip service to like yeah the giant's front office is really smart but and i kind of feel like you can't butt that since that is the thing but i'm curious to get your thoughts on on his whole thing
0: i think it's a valid perspective (laughs) um that he's when he says that because you know the excerpt you read about signing hannah green conforto being kind of a bad idea because they don't move the needle like if you're the Giants, you can find guys who are about that good, is what he's saying. So what you need to do is sign guys who are clearly better than that. Um, I will say I think that is underselling the upside, especially of Conforto a little bit. Um, for some reason, I believe in Conforto more than Hanniger. Uh It might just be that one of them is currently injured and one of them is not. but <laughs> Let's pretend it's something better than that. Um, Because, you know, I I think when you have a player who could hit 35 homers, you know, has that potential, that's not that's something the Giants need. and It's not something they have. So it does make sense for them to go for that. On the other hand, the Giants needed a a star and they didn't get one. And like we have talked about that ad nauseum. Nobody wants to hear us talk about that anymore. Um, You know, we understand why it all happened the way it happened. It's not that they were wrong, but they also weren't right. They, they didn't get done the thing they needed to get done, even if there are reasons for each specific player not coming. And at some point you have to look at a front office and say, okay, well, make it happen. You know, make the team better, like clearly better, significantly better. And they didn't really do that. They shored up the edges, but the, the middle was sagging too. And I think that's kind of the thing that he's he's pointing at. Like, what's what's the upside here? There isn't that much upside. You know, best case, I mean, not to sell short the 2021 team, which I would have said best case was like a 500 season, and obviously they did better. But, you know, best case for this team is what, 90 wins? Uh, and so is that really, and that's if everything goes pretty much right. So is that good enough? Uh, and I see his point there.
1: One of his other points he kind of mentioned, I think it was maybe the twins or one of the other teams he was kind of criticizing as a playoff team that they had no five win players projected five win players. He said the giants might not have any four win projected players, which I think even if you were to think about Conforto four wins is like things have gone extremely well. If he's somehow a four war player, he does have a lot of positives to say about the giants rotation that it's solidly above average to even like above average plus, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have like a Carlos Rodon on it, obviously. And, and I think that's where it's kind of like, okay, so the Giants do have strengths. And even though they've kind of littered their lineup with average plus average-ish players, uh, I think overlooking what they can do well, also overlooking what they can't do, which is they can't get anybody they want for money. There are players who do not want to play in San Francisco. That is an actual thing. And he can... Ignore that, say it's not a thing or criticize it or whatever, but the Giants can offer players more money and people will turn them down. It happens. So I don't know. I guess it was not cold water, but I think it was worth bringing up that the perspective is that if things don't go well, it's not going to come out of left field. And I I don't think even you and I feel that if things go wrong, that it's going to be a huge surprise. I, I definitely think we're probably, you and I are a little bit more on the just this side of positive that maybe Sheehan and some other people are, but I don't know, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth too.
0: No, I mean, I think it's, I think they have a good chance to be over 500. Like I, I'm kind of expecting it, but you know, I'm also going to watch this team a lot this year. So I don't want to come into the season and be like, yeah, they're going to suck. They're going to be the suckiest bunch of sucks who ever sucked. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, that's probably influencing me some.
1: So our last little bit here before we sign off this uh, for this episode, and we're going to have two episodes this week. I didn't mention that up top, but um, so the rule changes, and we've watched some spring training now. We've gotten a sense of how those might go with the pitch clock and the limits on defensive positioning, the throwovers, et cetera. Based on what you've seen, Doug, what rules do you think are going to really help the Giants and who might specifically benefit? And what do you think will be some detriments?
0: Um, I mean, I th- so I think the eliminating the big overshifts, I th- obviously you look who's that, who's that going to help? Jock Peterson. Um, he's, you know, he's a dead pull hitter basically. So taking away the, the second baseman playing in short right field, uh, taking away three guys on the right side of second base, I think that'll, you know, that'll help him a lot. But on the other hand, you know, the Giants were really good at shifting last year. Their defense was awful, uh, generally. But if you look at the stats, they were they were near the top of the league and, like, runs saved from shifting. So it's... It could get worse. <laughs> I, I hope it doesn't. But, like, you have to look at what they were doing, which worked really well. Now they can't necessarily do as much of that. Um, and there has to be a concern there. Uh, because the defense was very bad last year. Uh, and... Taking away their ability to be a little bit better is is a little worrying. I mean, you can point to Brandon Belt being gone. You know, he he was not moving well last year. So maybe with Wade over at, at first base, that'll that'll help him out. Maybe having, you know, Jock Peterson not be in an outfield corner quite as much will help. Uh, you know, no Darren Ruff this year. He was Basically, he's basically a butcher defensively. Um, That'll help, but it's tough to see the defense being good.
1: Um, I also have noted, or it's been pointed out, that teams have just started shifting outfielders to get around the uh, overshift infield wise. So you'll pull your left fielder all the way over into shallow right, and you'll shade your center fielder a little bit more over towards left field. So that might be one thing that the Giants play with a little bit as the season goes on if it's a problem. Yeah, I think the shift will definitely help the hitting a little bit more. I do want to say that the stolen base situation is very exciting to me. <laughs> uh, the fact that you've only got the two throwovers, um, that, that helps the pitch clock. So there's like a, a new rhythm to the game. I, I'm bummed that Austin Slater's got the hamstring issues. I'm sure it's going to affect his running. But you know Tyro Estrada and Bryce Johnson and maybe even Blake Sable. You know those are those are potential guys to. Even Mike Yastrzemski can get in on the action. Those are potentially guys who could uh, add some extra value to the Giants' offense. The pitch clock seems like I think the jury's out on how the pitch clock is going to affect like Camilo Duvall. and that's really the only guy I'm worried about, only because he's not going to be able to throw 103 twice a week like he was doing last season, which is fine, but you know, he might want to still that, that part of that aggressiveness might not be out of him. I hope though, what it helps continue is that refinement of the sinker that he had been doing last year. You know what I mean? Like I hope that that having to kind of rein himself in actually helps him refine the secondary stuff even more. And it's not just, you know, powering up uh, to throw a hard fastball. So I think the jury's still out because especially especially since he went and did some WC, WBC play, they have the international rules. There's no pitch clock, so he could, he could throw hard and, and all that stuff. So but that's why you got Taylor Rogers there as the backstop in case things go wonky. But uh, yeah, so th- we'll see how it goes. I know that everyone's like, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But, it, you know, even with the... Um, the pitch clock and all that stuff. Alex Cobb didn't like his first start with it. Then he did like his next start with it. Although that could be a body snatcher situation. We don't mm. know. They could have, the league could have gotten to him. Uh, but all the all the big uh, issues seem to have been ironed out. You haven't heard too much about it in terms of players chafing against new rules this late in spring training. When the season starts, oh, that'll be, we'll see what happens. <laughs> that'll be fun for sure. Because I guess the pitch clock is sort of being um enforced differently you know some some players as soon as it hits zero the um some umps are calling it right at zero and then some it's like zero but then they call you know what i mean like so there's some softness there that should be um that that will definitely i i'm predicting right now within the first two weeks that will come up as an issue for for an actual game um all right that's our first new giants croncast thank you for listening I'm still writing at McCovey Doug, what about you?
0: Uh, I am at GiantsDoug.Substack.com.
1: And you can find us on Twitter at GiantsCroncast. And be sure to check out the rest of the Fans First Sports Network. You can start by following their Twitter at FansFirstSN. And like I said, we'll be back uh, later in the week with an NLS preview and most importantly, our predictions for the 2023 season. Thanks for listening. Go Giants!